0: All right, what about, what about water baptism? That's our title. You know, the uh, concept and understanding about water baptism among those who call themselves Christians, um, it's quite diverse, especially in the various denominations and the movements and the different things that go on. And uh, sometimes when you ask people who say they're Christians what they believe water baptism is, you're shocked. There are those who believe that their baptism is um, and water guarantees their entrance into heaven, which does violence to the doctrine of the atonement. They believe it's faith, but it's foolishness. If you use some soap, you might get some dirt off your body. But water will remove no sin at all. In fact, it insults the atonement of Christ. You're saying that he came and died in vain, that it was not necessary. Then there are others who believe that infant baptism is necessary to remove what they call original sin. This is the Catholic doctrine. I was raised a Catholic. I was born in Mexico City. I was a Catholic until 23 years old. To the Lord saved me. I know Catholicism. Somebody hasn't taught me about Catholicism. I went to Our Lady Loretto in L.A. I know Catholicism. I've seen Catholicism in Mexico City, Central America, South America, the Philippines, where it's to the bone. People crucify themselves on crosses in the Philippines. There is no original sin that can be washed away by baptism. Not only that, but as an infant, the infant repented? Do you understand the gospel? None whatsoever. And still others believe that if you're not baptized in water right away after you're born again, and if you die, you won't get into heaven. Well, that's just as bad. As we're going to see water is commanded to be baptized in, but it does not complete. Let me say it up front. It does not complete, add to, or necessary for your salvation and forgiveness of sins. Okay? And as we move through it, we're going to see all that the Bible teaches about water baptism, so you can understand it tonight. And we're going to make some comparisons to that of the baptism in the Holy Spirit to distinguish it between the two. So, in view of all these misunderstandings and different opinions, let's look at water baptism, observing six things that will help us to understand what water baptism is. We're going to look at water baptism as a practice by the Jews and the Gentiles, converts. Um, um, how they distinguish that, and then second, water baptism was preached by John the Baptist. He was a forerunner of Jesus, remember. And thirdly, water baptism is distinguished from the baptism of the Spirit. And thirdly, water baptism was preached and practiced by the disciples and apostles of Jesus. And fifth, we'll look at water baptism was and is symbolic of the witness of. Salvation. And we'll finish up with water baptism should not be required for salvation, but it should be practiced. Let's begin here with water baptism. It was practiced by the Jews for the Gentile converts, but not for Jews. The Gentile converts to Judaism were called proselytes, as you know. Um, there were two kinds of proselytes. The first was a proselyte called god fears these um, embraced the Jewish religion in everything except circumcision. All the rituals, all the ceremony, everything else, but they weren't circumcised. The second group were called proselytes of the gate. They embraced everything the first group did, but included circumcision. Those are the two types of proselytes that were. Known for that day. Now these Gentile proselytes would be baptized in water. And the word, as you know, baptism means immersion or submersion. If I take a glass of water and I just fill it up with water to maybe even just an eighth of an inch, it's not baptized. Even to the top, it's not baptized. But if I fill the sink and I put the glass underneath, now it's baptized. Enveloped completely. That's what the word means. Um, So it doesn't mean sprinkling. It doesn't mean pouring water over your head. The basic meaning is immersion and submersion, being totally and completely enveloped by water completely. The word appears in different forms. The noun form, baptism, is found 22 times in the New Testament. The verb forms, there are two, baptized, is found eight times, and baptized 49 times. And those are the forms of the word. Now the Jews were sons of Abraham, as you know, by the covenant God made with Abraham, giving them a land and a sealing of it with the covenant of circumcision of the righteousness of faith in God did that with Abraham back in Genesis chapter 15, verse 18, 17, 4, 17, 7 through 14. And then Paul confirms all that in Romans 4, 11. Okay? The covenant of circumcision. They were the nation of God. They were the people of God. And they were the witnesses of God. And they were the heirs to the promises of God through the covenant made with Abraham. As you know, that covenant came to Abraham after he made his little mistake with Hagar. As he thought he would help God out, and him and Sarah got together in a campfire one night. And they said, you know, it's been about ten years we've been in the land, and the promise hasn't come. God must mean maybe that I, you know, and Sarah, by the way, is the one that suggested it, that you go into Hagar, and I'll have, I'll take the child on my knees, and I'll, I'll raise it as my own. And uh, Abraham, such a good sport, he went for it, and um, and it, it brought destruction to their lives. Heartache. And even today, the nation of Israel is still paying for Abraham's fleshly sin. (laughs) You you don't want an Ishmaelite in your life. You can't afford it. You'll be forgiven, but it's not going to go away. It just isn't. So, water baptism was a practice of the Jew for the Gentile converts, not for the Jews. Gentile. Gentile. Secondly, water baptism was preached by John the Baptist. John was commissioned, as you know, by God the baptize. Um, John was the prophetic messenger as the precursor, the forerunner of the Messiah. The Scripture says, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Isaiah 40, verse 3. John was told by God, the Father, that when he baptized the Messiah, he would confirm it by the sign of a dove descending upon him. In John chapter 1, verse 32 and 33, the Father told John, And John bore witness, saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and he remained upon him, meaning Christ. I did not know him, but he who sent me, the Father, to baptize with water, said to me, upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. The Father confirmed the identity of Jesus to John, who was his cousin, cousin of Jesus, and he didn't know he was the Messiah. He confirmed him through that sign. Now, John was called the Baptist due to his commission by God to baptize sinners. He is called John the Baptist seven times in Matthew, three times in Mark, and four times in Luke. John baptized unto repentance in view of the coming Messiah. He came from the wilderness preaching the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins, Mark 1 four tells us. He went into all the regions around Jordan, preaching and baptism of repentance for the remission of sins, Luke three three tells us, and he baptized those coming from Jerusalem, even tax collectors, justified God, Mark one five and Luke seven twenty nine. Everybody went out to hear John. John was the latest thing. John was of the priestly family. He should have been in the temple, but God called him as a prophet. He never officiated as a priest, just like Ezekiel. Ezekiel was a priest. He never got to officiate. He became a prophet. Now, John addressed all Jews, even the religious leaders. Matthew chapter 3, verse 7 through 8. uh, He told the Pharisees and Sadducees who were Jews and the religious leaders that they were a brood of. Of vipers. You guys think I'm bad. The Pharisees were the uh, separated ones, the ritualists, the hypocrites. The Sadducees were the righteous, that's what it means, were the rationalists, the materialists, who did not believe in the resurrection, in spirits, or angels. You get that in Acts 23 8 by the witness of Paul. He asked them who had warned them to flee from the wrath to come in Mark or Matthew 3, 7. John was bold. That's what's lacking much in our churches today in the pulpits of America. Boldness and courage to speak forth the word of God. People are compromising and cowering to the culture of the day. To the threats of the day. It's an insult to all the martyrs who shed their blood that you might sit here comfortable listening to the teaching of the Word of God. They gave their lives for us. John was confirming their lost condition, and John was affirming their greater judgment. Because to Israel were given the oracles of God, not the Gentiles. To those who much is given, much more is required. He also told them they had to bear fruit worthy of repentance in Matthew 3, eight. They had to repent of their sins and they had to have a change of heart demonstrated in life. That's what repentance does. As you have repented, as I repented some years ago, there was a drastic change in my life as well as yours. As God forgave us, as God gave us a new divine nature, a new heart. And as you're growing, developing, and maturing in Christ, you follow him. You understand his word. He enables you to live that life, never to perfection, but you can hit the mark now. John gave uh, them a stern warning also about the judgment to come in Matthew 3 9 through 10. He said, He told them not to trust in the fact that they were children of Abraham in verse 9 of chapter 3. God had, has no grandchildren, God only has children, sons and daughters. He told them that God was able to raise up children of Abraham from the very stones in verse 9 also of Matthew 3. He told them that even now the axe was laid to the root of the trees, meaning judgment in verse 10. They were living in sin contrary to the law of God. They were corrupting the word of God. He told them that every tree that did not bear fruit would be cut down and cast into the fire, the imagery, the illustration is literal, is vivid. They understood what he's talking about. God trims his trees to bear much fruit by abiding in him. God cuts down those trees that do not abide in him or belong to him. God was calling sinners to be baptized unto repentance of sins. So water baptism was preached by John the Baptist. Thirdly, water baptism is distinguished from the baptism of the Holy Spirit. John clearly declared the inferiority of himself and the superiority of Jesus. You find this again in Matthew three eleven, Mark one eight, Luke three sixteen. John one twenty six and one thirty three. By the way, John baptized in water. We've seen. That's called the Baptist. Jesus was the one among them whose shoelaces he was not worthy to loosen and he would baptize with the Holy Spirit and fire, John said in those texts. I baptize in water. He baptized with the Holy Spirit. Two distinct persons. Don't confuse me for him. John the man would baptize in water. Jesus in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Jesus never baptized one person in water. John 4, 2. His disciples baptized. Jesus did not baptize in water. To keep this thing very clear. John baptized in water, and anybody else can baptize who's a believer, but I'm the only one that baptizes in the Holy Spirit. Very important. Very important. The baptism of water is inferior to the baptism of the Holy Spirit. In Matthew 3.11, he says, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. The baptism in water is a ritual or sacrament that affirms salvation and not the process of actual salvation. The baptism of water was an initiatory rite to be incorporated into the body of the church. First 1 Corinthians 12.13 The baptism of the Holy Spirit is superior in that Jesus alone baptizes men And women, Acts 1, 5, told the disciples after the resurrection, tarry in Jerusalem until you be endued the power from on high. Not many days from now. The Ephesian disciples, you remember in Acts 19, verse 4 through 5, had been baptized in water unto John's baptism. Then when Paul came by in the name of Jesus, they were baptized by Paul. As he laid his hand on them, then the Holy Spirit baptized them. They spoke in tongues and they prophesied. He said, unto what were you baptized? He says, unto the baptism of John. And he baptized them in water in the name of Jesus Christ. Then he laid hands on them. They were baptized with the Holy Spirit. They spoke in tongues and they prophesied. Very distinct. Okay? The book of Acts is history. It should be called the Acts of the Holy Spirit, not the apostles. (laughs) Now the baptism of the Spirit at times is accompanied with gifts, but no one gift is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. There's a great mistake in the Holy Spirit and want to get sidetracked on the gifts of the Holy Spirit. If you've never gone through our series, get our series. But many extreme Pentecostals always try to make you speak in tongues because they believe that's the true evidence and the only evidence. If you don't do it, you're not even saved, some of them say. Really? Well, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is for power, for enablement, Acts one eight. And then often through the book of Acts, we do see an accompaniment, an affiliation, an association with some of the gifts, but no one gift is the true evidence. The true evidence is empowerment to live the life of Christ. Acts 1.8. Simple. The baptism of the Holy Spirit for empowerment is through Jesus and it's distinct from the fruit of the Spirit also. Luke 24.49 and Acts eight. The disciples were told by Jesus that tarry in Jerusalem today be endued with power from on high in Luke 24 49, as you know. The disciples were told by Jesus that they were going to be witnesses for him. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. Acts 1 8. The Bible calls Agape love the fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 5 22. The empowerment and the fruit are two different things. Okay? The empowerment enables you. The fruit is singular. Galatians 5.22. Ready? Agape love. Everything that follows it are evidence of agape love. The fruit there is singular in the Greek. In your English Bible, it is in the plural. It's wrong. It's singular. There's one fruit, agape. And everything that follows it is evidence of agape love. You must make a distinction between the fruit of the Spirit and the empowerment of the Spirit. The empowerment enables you to live the life. The fruit is the evidence that you're living the life. Big difference. So water baptism is distinguished from the baptism of the Spirit. Very, very important. Now, fourthly, water baptism was preached and practiced by the disciples and apostles of Jesus. The baptism of water was now a practice that followed conversion. After Jesus rose from the dead and he preached and taught them about things of the kingdom for 40 days, and 10 days later at Pentecost, Holy Spirit came, the church was birthed, and everything changed. At Pentecost, um, it says in Acts 2.38, Then Peter said to them, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So he calls them to repentance and to water baptism in the name of Jesus Christ and he promises that they will receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit also. Philip, when you move to Acts 8, 36 and 37. Baptize the Ethiopian eunuch, as you know, in water after repenting. Water before repentance is nothing. It's useless. You're just a wet sinner. Acts 8, 36, 37 says, Now as they went down the road, and they came to some water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What hinders me from being Baptized. And then Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. There's the confession. The repentance. Now you're a candidate for water. At the house of Cornelius, Acts 10.37, Peter said, Can anyone forbid water? That these should not be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. Now, if you recall that, Peter didn't even get to to make his altar call. He's preaching the gospel. And how dare the Holy Spirit interrupt him and save the guys before he gave an opportunity. (laughs) They were baptized with the Holy Spirit, as Peter was preaching. And they spoke with tongues and prophesied. Amazing. Mm. Peter now says, hey, is anybody against baptizing them? We know they're born again because they were just baptized with the Holy Spirit. So, the order doesn't matter. The important order is first you have to repent and be born again. Then you can get water Baptized. Then you might receive the baptism. Or you might receive the baptism first, then water baptize. You may get all three at the same time. I don't know. But you must be born again first. Is that clear? Very important. They had repented from their sins in the name of Jesus. They had identified themselves with Christ. They had left their old lifestyles and made a complete turnabout. That is why we do not baptize infants, but rather dedicate them. Then they are unable to repent and exercise a free will until the age of accountability seven, eight, nine, depending. Children are different. Now, before we baptize those who are children, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, 10, 11, like that, we speak to them to make sure they understand they're born again. They're not just being pressured by their parents to be water baptized, but that they are born again. It's important. Now, the baptism of John was inferior to the baptism in water, as we said, after the death of Jesus because it was in fulfillment of the fact, no longer future. For it was prophetic, of the coming of Jesus for it was a baptism unto repentance in fact apollos was instructed in the more perfect way by aquila and priscilla in acts 18:25 because he did not know the baptism of the spirit only the baptism of john remember paul asked the uh, disciples at ephesus as we mentioned earlier and he said to them Unto what then were you baptized? So they said, Unto John's baptism. Then Paul said, John indeed baptized you with a baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him. That is, on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Ephesians, in Acts 19, 4-5. So, John rebaptized them now in the name of Jesus Christ. Water baptism was preached by the disciples and apostles of Jesus. Fifthly, water baptism was and is a symbolic witness of salvation. Paul tells us that it is a symbol of death in Romans chapter six, verse four through seven. In verse four, he says, we are buried with Jesus through baptism unto death. We are to walk in the newness of life, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of our Father. Then in verse five, we are united together with Jesus in the likeness of his death. Even so, we are united together With him in the likeness of his resurrection. And then in verse 6 and 7. We are empowered to live above sin. So once again. When we take you out. In water. And you turn your back to the world. We turn you around. And we put you under. We're putting the old man Underwater, reckoning him dead. The old man is crucified with him, Romans six says. The meaning of crucifixion is being put out of business. The statement implies human responsibility in view of the divine accomplishment. The result is that the body of sin nature might be done away with, rendered inoperative by that new life. The purpose being that we not continue to be slaves of sin, Romans 6 6 tells us. And the reason is that we have been freed from the slavery of sin nature and sin. Not only have we been forgiven of our sins, but we have been empowered to not have to be slaves to sin any longer. The end of the old. Life of sin, the end of yielding to sin nature. The ability is by the same power that raised Jesus from the dead and the Father and the Holy Spirit. The ritual is used in the New Testament to indicate two things about Christians. Identity with Christ and union with Christ. You are dead and buried and you're raised in the newness of life. That's what water is baptism indicates Now Peter tells us that water baptism is a figure compared to the flood of Noah in 1 Peter chapter 3 verse 18 to 22 The illustration is that the flood was a type of baptism of the eight souls who were saved by entering into the ark which was evidence of the faith in what God had revealed and after death they went to Sheol waiting for Jesus the Messiah. Verse 18 and 20 tells us of 1 Peter 3. The application is that as they believed God by faith and acted on the revelation, so water baptism is the antitype or the fulfillment. But not the removal of the filth of the flesh, but an answer to good conscience through the efficiency to be saved through the resurrection. Verse 21 tells us of 1 Peter 3. So water doesn't remove no sin. It's an answer to good conscience. And the Noah flood was a witness to the revelation God gave. They were acting in faith. How to be saved from that destruction? Get in the boat. He makes a parallel. Water baptism is only a public confession of what has happened already in your heart by faith that you're born again. Water forgives no sins at all. The proclamation being that Jesus Christ has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God, angels and authorities and powers having been made subject to him, First Peter 3:22 says. Jesus is sitting because the work of salvation has been finished. He said at the cross in John nineteen thirty, it is finished. Jesus is sitting in the place of authority, the right hand. So water baptism was and is a symbolic witness of salvation. You know, we, um, we baptize people, and people take pictures, and they clap, and they rejoice, and they, they congratulate you. In those days, when you got baptized, you put a target on your back, and through the history of the church. Many of the Christians, uh, through Elon Ministry in Iran and other places, they have to uh, get baptized secretly, because if they do it publicly, they'll kill them and put them in prison it's It's a whole different perspective from being an American Christian. whole different thing. Sixthly, water baptism should not be required for salvation. very important now I've already told you we believe in it, we teach it, we practice it, but no one should ever believe that water baptism should be required to be assured that a person is saved. A man or woman is saved by the grace of God through faith, not of ourselves. It's a gift of God, Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. Grace is unmerited, favor, undeserved. Faith is God's enabling to believe what he has declared. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God, Romans 10:17. Faith is you believing and acting on God's revelation. It has nothing to do with feelings, nothing to do with emotions. If God would have said, this is the way to get saved, you just click your heels twice, clap your hands three times, jump up and down five times and say, hallelujah, then that would be the way, that would be faith. Because God revealed how. You were to be saved. So when you act in according to God's revelation, you are acting in faith. When you are believing or living or acting something that contradicts the revelation of God, that is foolishness, religiosity, but don't ever call it faith. That's why a lot of Christians who are extreme Pentecostals get tossed by the wind to and fro. Because their whole basis of Christianity is emotions and feelings and experiences. I mean, if there were extreme Pentecostal people here, they would think we're dead. And if there were Baptists, they'd think we're Pentecostals when we worship. You got two extremes. One believes everything is the Spirit of God, and the other one believes it's no longer for today. Wow, a man or, or woman's salvation is completely the work of God by the atoning work of Christ on the cross. Whoever believes in the gift of God, his son will be saved. John three sixteen. Everybody knows that verse. That's all you need to preach the gospel. The gospel of the world that He gave His only begotten Son. Whoever believes in Him, not perish but have everlasting life. Wow encapsulated form, the gospel. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved, Romans 10.13 says. Whoever comes through the one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, can be saved, 1 Timothy 2.5. Whoever believes in the words of Jesus from the cross it is finished can claim it for himself or herself John 19.30. Every believer should be water baptized then in obedience to the words of Jesus of the Great Commission. But it certainly is not an addition, completion, nor is it a supplement to salvation. Is that clear? Very important. Paul declared that he thanked God that he had baptized none except for Crispus and Gaius in the house of Stephanas. Lest some in Corinth would make him a party split to Christ, for God had not called him to baptize, but to preach. 1 Corinthians 1, 14 and 17. Now think about that. If water baptism is required, then Paul was call, well, Paul was speaking blasphemous words. He says, God didn't call me to baptize, but to preach. He gives the proper value to water and to the proclamation. The proclamation is what saves you. That produces faith, not water. Paul said, "For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with the wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of no effect." First Corinthians one seventeen. The focus is the power of the gospel. Paul recognized. That though water baptism is to be done in obedience to Christ, it did not affect the work of Christ on the cross in any way. Doesn't add, does not take away from it. Otherwise, the words of Paul would again be blasphemous if water baptism was compulsory for salvation. You remember the thief on the cross, Right? They both were blaspheming Jesus and beriling him. Come midday, one of them turned around and rebuked the other. He says, You know, this man has done nothing worthy of this, but you and I, we deserve what we got. And then he turned to Jesus and says, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus says, Today, today, you will be with me in paradise. <laughs> Now, can you imagine Jesus telling the centurion, listen, you know, I just promised this guy eternal life in paradise, but can you take him off the cross and baptize him and put him back up here? People say, oh, no, no, he was Old Testament. Really? God said all did prophesy until John the Baptist. <laughs> Read the scriptures. Know what you believe, so you can give an answer to every man for the reason of the hope that lies in you with meekness and fear and clarity. Very important. That thief was complete in Christ Jesus. Colossians two, nine and ten says, You are complete in Christ Jesus. In him dwells the sum total of deity. Wow. Water baptism should not be required for salvation, yet should be practiced in and by the church. This next Sunday, we're going to have water baptism. And I really don't like doing it here. I rather do it at the beach or streams or as we do in the pool and the, for the picnic and that. Um, but we do it in the winter for the sake of those who, who want to do it. Um, I've known people that you know. There's, they don't have any, so they baptize in a bathtub, one at a time. Okay, and they just dunk them in there. Um, people, when you know, when when the, a lot of the wars were going on in Iraq and Afghanistan, many soldiers came to know Christ, and they would dunk them in tanks. Out there. Okay. I tell you, there are no atheists in foxholes. All right, guaranteed. And so, water baptism. Be clear about it. Understand what the Bible teaches about it, because a lot of people have some weird ideas about it. I pray that tonight, as we've gone through the scriptures, that you are clear on what is uh, taught about water what is taught about salvation solely in Jesus Christ and how the the evidence of being born again is that you follow through with water. But let's just say that you just came to the Lord tonight and and, and on the way home you got in a wreck and you you died. Where would you be? You'd be in heaven. Because the blood of Jesus Christ has cleansed you from all sin. Because there's always the extreme Baptists that want to shove your head under a faucet right away mm. to make sure that you're baptized, right? It's ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. Which surprises me because most Baptists are Calvinists. And they don't believe in works. And if they're, you're pushing Baptism, that's works because you're saved only by the blood, right? You're contradicting what you're believing in many different ways. And so that's why we're to study, ladies and gentlemen, the Word, the Bible. That's why for 38 years that I've been your pastor, I teach you the Word of God. What would I have told you for 38 years if we hadn't gone verse by verse, chapter by chapter, and in-depth studies and character studies and everything else? How can I try to entertain you or hold your attention? Are you kidding me? But those people that are hungry for the word of God, they're going to seek out God's word. As you tune your ear and your heart to God, God will direct and guide you. And he will use you to give God's word to others. That they be born again. And that they follow through with water baptism. And that they be light and salt to the world around them. The world is very, very dark today, ladies and gentlemen, and it's getting darker by the day in our nation. And God has put us here in this very dark city. You may think Pasadena's great. It's a very dark city. And he keeps bringing people. And he keeps taking care of us. I love it. No one's more surprised about what's happened here in 38 years than me. (laughs) No one's more surprised than I. God's grace. And so I pray these six things have helped you better understand water baptism in order that you might give an answer to those who ask about it. Water baptism was practiced by the Jews for the Gentile converts, not for Jews. Water baptism was preached by John the Baptist. Water baptism is distinguished from the baptism of the Spirit. And water baptism was preached and practiced by the disciples and apostles of Jesus. Jesus never water baptized anybody. Water baptism wasn't as symbolic as a witness of salvation. And water baptism should not be required for salvation, though it should be practiced. Hope that gives you better perspective about water baptism. Father, we worship you. We thank you tonight for your goodness. Lord, I pray for every person here, and I pray that you just minister to our hearts. And Lord, we thank you for just being witnesses to the power of your word and your grace to save and to just add to your church and to instruct and to prepare and to give the gifts and to enable and to just coordinate and to just continue to do all that you do from week to week, month to month, year to year, Lord. We just worship you. We thank you, Lord. And Father, we pray if there's anyone out there who doesn't know you, Father, somewhere in the world as we're on the radio or the internet, they would call on your name. As Lord. um, They understand that you sent your son to die for them. That as they call on his name. They will be forgiven for all their sins. And be made new creatures. As you're praying. If you're out there somewhere in the world. Or over the internet. God loves you. He sent his son to die for you. And if you believe that. And agree that you're a sinner in need of salvation. Then God's going to save you right now and forgive you of your sins. Not my word. My word is worthless. It's the words of Jesus Christ and his Father. Simple prayer of repentance is what God requires. I'm going to give you a very simple prayer of repentance. And if you mean it right where you sit here or somewhere in the world. He's going to save you right now. He's going to take every one of your sins and cast them as far as the east as the west. He's going to place them in the deepest ocean so that no one can get to him. He's going to put them behind his back where no one can see them. And he says he will never, ever mention them again. Wow. This is your prayer to him. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. I ask you to forgive me, Lord, for all my sins. Give me a brand new heart. Baptize me with your Holy Spirit. I accept you as my Savior and Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.